quite well, I'm with Frank Rothwell. The amazing Frank Rothwell, who we don't have to say any more than two words in Oldham, and everyone knows Frank Rothwell. Good afternoon, Frank. Lovely to see you. Good afternoon. How are you keeping? Yeah. Well, I'm in fine fashion at the moment, and I've been tra- training for my rowing. The wind's a bit too strong this weekend to go to uh, Scotland or to uh, Whitby, so uh, no rowing this weekend. Well, audience, you've got to understand that when Frank says he's in training, he's planning to row the Atlantic again. That's yeah. right, yeah. Why is this? Come on, Frank. Well, because uh, two reasons. The first reason is uh, everybody, or m- most people, would like to make a difference in, to life, to other communities, um, or to the street, or to the families. They want to make a difference. And um, I-, I found an opportunity to make a difference by raising funds and awareness for Alzheimer's Research UK. And last, last time I rode across the Atlantic, uh, I raised £1.1 million for that fantastic charity. And, uh, and uh, in the last 12 months, there's been two new drugs come on the, on the scene that uh, are starting to make a difference. And uh, so this time I'm going again for a cure. And I've, I've, I've even named my boat for a cure. It's called for a cure? Yeah. Wonderful. Is it a new boat? Yes, it's a brand new boat. Well, it's, yes, it's brand new. It's, 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 this boat is um, uh, it's faster than my previous boat. It's a bit shorter. It's four foot shorter, which makes it slower. But in the um, in the build of it, it's now quarter a ton lighter, which makes it much easier to skip across the Atlantic. You say that, but how how long is it? Twenty one foot. Twenty one foot. And has it been on sea trials yet? With you? Well, yeah, I've been out. Yeah, I've done probably um, 100, 150 miles, on it, maybe more, in the sea. I've in some heavy weather as well. You know, in Scarborough, I did out in twenty-five knots of wind, and uh, in Scarborough, it was a bit lumpy then. It's, uh... <laughs> a bit lumpy, listener. Yeah, a bit lumpy. But you're doing it again. Yeah. Two years after you did it before, which and again, you hold two world records with this, Frank. Yeah, I do. I've got two. I've got the Guinness World Records for being the oldest person to roll the Atlantic. I've got the, also for the oldest person to roll the Atlantic solo. So it's uh, the, the solo one's the main one. And of course, doing it solo, you're doing it solo again. Oh yeah, well I don't want to advise with somebody else. Somebody else picks the feet, so I can't get on with them. <laughs> I don't. When I'm doing it by myself, I don't have to worry about anybody else or anything else anybody's doing. I just got to get on with it myself. Well, being an Oldham lad, born and bred, but, I mean, you have a daytime routine. I mean, what we forget is you'll be leaving La Gomera yep. and sailing to Antigua. Yes, that's a distance about, of... It's, it's about, it's about three, the, the road's about 3,000 miles. It's a bit shorter if we go as the crow flies, but we don't go as the crow flies. No. We go in a, like a hockey stick, like a letter J. First of all, we go south, and then farther once we set off for a bit, we then start to go more southwest until eventually... We get to about 20 degrees and then we go, go west the whole way across. And how far was it in daytime? Well, last time I did it in 56 days. Um, and I'm hoping to better that this, this time, obviously. In between time, Frank, you've managed to buy a football club. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said that. With, you've got to see his face when you say that. It just lights up. It's just like a, a beacon burning in the nighttime period. He bought a football club called Oldham Athletic, which he's known and loved since a lad. And he's had a, a major heart operation. 
Oh yeah, major heart operation. Yeah, I could have died during the operation. It would not stent to. Uh, uh, this was a major piece. I had a brand new aorta fitted, which is um, a pipe which runs from your heart down the length of your body. But um, it's had stretched in size from uh, one inch diameter to two inches diameter, and it was ready for bursting. So I had it. Uh, I had a brand new pipe put in, and uh, it made it to Gore-Tex. That was a Gore-Tex, amazing. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a Gore-Tex type of material. Yeah, yeah. And at a time when people, without being rude about your age, how old are you now? I'm 73. 73. And how old do you feel? Oh, I don't know it's like to feel that. I feel 73. Right. No, no, do it. No, I, I feel, I feel 70. I've not thought of it. No. At what age do I feel? Do I look younger than other people? Do I, am I stronger than other people my age? Well, yes, I certainly am. But then you start doing things and then you start finding other people who are much stronger and um, much more agile and much more active than you are at 73. So then I just feel about middle, mid-range, really. Well, you say that, very self-deprecating that you are, Frank, but, you know, give me a sort of daytime Frank gets up at what time and what does he do? At this morning, I've got to put... Um, uh, oh, set the alarm for seven o'clock, and then I, I, I lied in for 15, 20 minutes. So Goodness I got half past seven, went down. First thing, the most important thing, is make a brew for my darling wife Judith. Bless you. Right, so, uh, so then uh, I made Judith a brew, made myself a brew, and then I took her the, the paper or the parts of the paper that Judith likes, and uh, and then I couldn't get the telly to work. <laughs> so then I, I left uh, left home at. Um, but if I, five to eight. Oh, for, first of all, I had my porridge. Do you always have porridge? Oh, well, I, yeah, because it's good for the old cholesterol. And since I, I've been eating porridge now for about two years, every day, and I had porridge with some berries on it. I love berries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, and and, and I throw yogurt on top to give it a bit more. Yeah, and uh, so I, I like to think I'm eating it healthy. And then I, I got to work and. Uh, I got to all of them athletic and I got some men working there and I, I made sure that they uh, were all up to speed and changed a couple of the jobs that a couple of them were doing um, so that uh, the job will move on. You say that but of course taking a football team on I mean it's quite remarkable because it's not just taking the team and the players on it's taking the ground and all the responsibilities that go with it. Yeah one of the problems with the old athletic football club is that the the ground so that's Brownby Park which is the, the stadium, um, and the club got separated. And uh, one person owned the, the badge, so we say, an old athletic football club, and somebody else owned the stadium and the surrounding grounds and training grounds. And, uh, and because of that, that caused um, a lot of, dis- uh, lot, lot of disquiet between the two people. Mm. And uh, also, the, the per- person who owned the football club uh, wasn't liked by the, um, the the supporters and there was protests and all sorts of things. No, but of course we've seen what you've done with the club. The great thing is the town of Oldham got behind you and the people. Oh, wow, yeah, they certainly have, yeah. Uh, we, we've just sold over 4,000 season tickets. So every every every, match, every game we're guaranteed 4,000 supporters. Uh, and, um, and people are queuing up all the time to buy tickets. I've, I've shook the hands of probably 20 people today. I, if there's somebody buying a ticket, I always go outside and share them and say, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. And they say, oh, no, thank you. I said, well, no, I said, what we are, we're all supporters. Oldham Athletic now doesn't have any football fans. 
what we have we have supporters we are supporting Oldham Athletic Football Club and we need we can't do it by ourselves we need other people to join us on our crusade and that's really what we've got so Oldham Athletic now are supporters and I'm going to tell everybody that tomorrow right and that's supporters you've got that's wonderful now this whole idea, I mean, you're a busy man all your life. I mean, you, you, you're historically famous for the things you've done. Manchester Cabins, the appearance alongside, of course, Manchester Cabins of Hollywood. Well, Hollywood, alongside the motorway, which okay. in itself caused some controversy. Well, yeah, it did, yeah. Um, Manchester, it seemed at one time that Manchester was going to form links with uh, Los Angeles. I thought they were going to get twinned. And I thought, oh, fantastic. And I thought, oh, well, look at that. we in... Los Angeles has got Hollywood, and in Oldham we've got Hollywood. Right. So why can't we let, let, let America know that we exist, you see? So I, I made a dirty great big sign, eight foot tall and about 60 foot long, of Hollywood. I made all the letters umbly jumbly like they are, yeah. and I put it up on the side of the motorway. Oh, a long way from the traffic, they were at the top of the embankment, <laughs> but everybody could see it. We did it on a Sunday afternoon, about four o'clock, and... Um, we were, we were trespassing really, but we weren't causing a, any danger to anyone. And uh, so we put this, and as we did, I saw the police car going up and looking at us. So we all had high jackets on, so like we were, doing it, we were looking like we were workers. <laughs> so we, climbed, we had ladders, we climbed back over the fence, and uh, we, we were going to work in, in Bath at the time. All these lads who were doing it were going to go and work in Bath. So we're driving near the motorway, and I can see this policeman there on his radio, right, up the embankment looking at this sign, and obviously he didn't know who put it there, whether it was, whether it was proper, whether, whether were, it was the highways agency or whatever. And it stayed there for how long, Frank? Oh, only two days, because <laughs> the, 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 yeah, I, but, but what I did, when we got to Bath in the next morning, I, I phoned up everybody I could think of. I didn't know you then, Katie. No. So I phoned up everybody I could think of, and I said, hey, you want to see what this bloke's on? He's put a dirty game in Hollywood, sir. Oh, oh, it's great, it's just like Hollywood. You know, yeah. <laughs> I borrowed other people's phones to it so they wouldn't trace it. <laughs> anyway, and, and then eventually a, a radio station in Manchester uh, couldn't find out who put this sign up <laughs> and that they were offering... Um, uh, and try to encourage people to grass me up. Then <laughs> <laughs> it came down after two Ooh, days. Anyway. You've always laced yourself with this. I mean, your cap became famous. I mean, you've got your cap. You wore your cap right throughout your sale the last time. Well, I tried to, yeah. I, I always wore a hat because yeah. you know, you'd always you, your head's directly in line Absolutely. with the sun, you know, you don't want yeah. a sunstroke or, or anything like that. So I always wore, a, always wore a flat cap while I was sailing. Well, you've become famous in that with that cap. There's, well, there's a model of you now on the Oldham top bar in the town, of course. Well, yes, the it Fox is. The Fox and Pine, which has won the Greater Manchester Area Pub Award of and the year. What, and why is it called the Fox and Pine? Because of Oldham Athletic yeah. and Leicester City. Correct, because oh. Leicester City's emblem is a fox. That's right. right and Oldham Athletic used to be called Pine... Um, pine Rovers, Pine... Pine, pine, pine. I think pine. it's Pine something. Anyway. It was Pine, yeah, Pine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we take that bit out. We're all right in that. Yeah. I mean, so you're a national hero here, but you know, you never change. I've known you, I'm proud to say I've known you for a good 10 years. Yeah. And your, your life's filled with work. I mean, that's the most amazing thing. I mean, when people, I'm not going to say that people in a certain age should retire. I don't believe people should retire at all. You certainly do not want to retire. Nobody no, wants no. to. But you know, you do this alongside rowing, alongside everything else. So tell me about your training regime for this, Frank, on a daily basis. Oh. Uh, 
well, I'm not training yet because training's really boring. I've been out rowing a few times, and um, and every time I go out rowing, I can feel myself, my energy, strength, and my stamina building up, uh, up to the levels it was before. But because I don't row till December, I don't want to start training till October. If you're going to run a marathon, you start training six weeks yeah. before, and I'm going to start start training, yeah, in start of October. And like going to the gym every day and, and, and doing lung busters, that's nipping up pots and pans at the back of our house, you know. And, uh, pots and pans, by the way, dear reader, is one of the highest points in Saddleworth. That's where the memorial stands. But Frank nips up there on a daily basis when he's doing his training. Well, well when, yeah. when I was tra- training to uh, climb Kilimanjaro, I nipped up there twice a day right. because I was 60 odd years old then and I didn't want to be last. I didn't want anyone to have to wait for me, you know. So, and uh, that's what. I'm really concerned about people having to wait for me. Yeah. So I did all that training, but and then I got I got to climb up to Kilimanjaro. Jaro, so I started again to climb up Kilimanjaro. And do you know how fast you go up Kilimanjaro? No. You go at the same speed as the slowest person in the group. Right. Because they, they, they got, that's how fast you go. Right. So I've been training. I'm as fit as a butcher's dog. Yeah. I've been go, doing lung busters. I've got massive lungs because of the altitude to satisfy all that. <laughs> And then when I get there, I've got to do, go to the snail's pace because people in the group hadn't done that level of training. So that's, and I, I don't want anybody to have to wait for me. No, no, well, I can see that. Now, the last race, I mean, it was a remarkable achievement. We all saw it on television. It was covered internationally and quite rightly so. Is there anything you regret that you thought, was there only one time in that race you thought, I'm not going to do this? Not well, not for one split second ever. Um, I don't think it's. Um, is it? Is it difficult? Yeah, it's difficult. Is it very difficult? I don't think so. Is it extremely difficult? No, no one here. Is it? Uh, is it dangerous? Yeah, it's a little bit dangerous. Is it very dangerous? No, no. Is it extremely dangerous? No. If you follow the safety things, and there's two things you've got to remember: the safety. You're always, always, always hooked on, right? And so, so. Uh, just fasten this strap to your belt and I've only got about um, a foot oh, 300 millimetres or 30 centimetres of, um, of rope between myself and the boat so I'm not going to go over the side it can't wash me over the side so when you're on deck you're always, always, always no matter how calm it is hooked on even if you go swimming you tie yourself onto the boat because if you go overboard you're dead yeah. you can't go and catch the boat up you know, you know, and then you, when you catch them, you've got to get in. Oh no! So you've always got to keep yourself tied on. And the other thing is, you always, always, always shut the hatches. So if a big wave comes and you get get washed, or if it rolled, if the hatch is open, then the cockpit floods, and uh, it means your bed gets wet. Yeah, we can't. And, and also the radio gets water on it. Come kaput yeah. with no communication all that type of thing so we're, what we do is uh, there's two things keep the hatches shut and you're always fastened on and what speed are you travelling at Frank on, on the Atlantic oh well for best fastest speed as uh, I thought was about four and a quarter miles an hour because uh, that's when you're surfing yeah. what happens is when you go any faster than that you can't roll fast enough that's that's when you put the oars in and the actual the oars are going the boat is going faster than you can roll yeah so four and a quarter miles an hour is about as fast as i've ever seen it. and part of that is surfing the big boats the four-man boats they're trying to achieve four and a quarter miles an hour or four 
to 4.2 miles an hour. But um, I, my average, well, the even time I was sleeping, I think it was about 1.7 miles an hour. But that's including me sleeping, but this time I only get that over two. And, yeah, and you slept regularly? You went to bed at a given time? Yeah, I decided to, some people have two hours rowing, two hours sleep, two hours rowing, two hours sleep. But it takes so long to have to actually get in out of the bed. And you, you, I think if you did that, you'd always feel tired. So I, I used to wake up in the morning, um, always wake up at seven, get everything sorted, and phone my darling wife at half past seven to work, to wake up, I wake up, do you have a nice sleep darling, blah, 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 because it, I think it's harder for Judith than what it's for me, she, I'm not there, no. she, she's missing me, yes. but then, but then, so then, after I spoke to Judith, I then um, phone up race control, at eight o'clock was my time, phone up race control, eight o'clock, are you, I'm okay, the boat's okay, yeah, anything, anything to report, no, anything exciting to tell us, no, okay, see you tomorrow, blah, blah, down goes the phone, and then I used to phone my son, Luke, because he is my router. Because when you're going across the Atlantic, um, even though it's a big stretch of sea, um, you've got the, the ocean current, the Gulf Stream, and the Gulf Stream is travelling across the ocean, but it's and you, it's not as a mass. It's more as thousands and thousands of whirlpools. And these whirlpools, some are big, some are small. Some have got a big whirlpools that's got whirlpools inside them. So what we want to do is we want to get on the whirlpools, um, on the bottom of the whirlpools, because mm. the, the whirlpools go clockwise. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so then that will scoop me along a little bit faster. So uh, I've made little dairy deviations. And we're not looking about my speed now, we're looking about my speed in two or three days' time. Right. So mm. my, my weather route was my son, look. What a very important player too. And of course, you raised over a million pounds for Alzheimer's, well, which was just amazing. I mean, it's 1.1 million pounds, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And that, it, it was really tongue in cheek when I, I said, um, I'll go raise a million pounds. I didn't know, I thought, well, I can get 10 grand's a bit easy if you want to do that by running a marathon. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, it may catch the people's imagination, let's look at 100 grand. Yeah. And then I thought, well, uh, I think I could probably do that because, you know, I don't know, a thousand letters make raises, you know. Yeah. So how, how much? I thought, well, let's go for a million. And I had no way at all that I feel I would raise a million pounds. No, and that's amazing. And you had massive support from Aldermans and people in the community. Abs absolutely. Everybody, for every, when, I, when I came back, everybody said they, they were following me because uh, on the boat we carry a tracker. Yes. We'll call it the yellow brick. And the yellow brick sends up your signal every hour. That's so right. you are. So the. the um, the race organisers know if there's a problem and they can see if you're cheating yeah. because um, if, if the boat all of a sudden start, if you put a sail up and the boat starts doing four miles an hour while then you're sleeping right. then and they say, it does it all day and the other boats around you are not then no. they can tell there's and a, of course what people have got to realise you were rowing the Atlantic that was the thing yeah I'm rowing the Atlantic yeah, I'm yeah. not sailing across I'm rowing it yeah absolutely amazing so we've got you there training now of course your daytime job at the moment of course is looking after Latics and you still have a big hand in your own business of course no, no I haven't got a hand in my business no. because my, ki my kids sacked me what really they, yeah Exactly. Why are you doing that? Oh, <laughs> goodness gracious. No, that's not, that's, 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 I tell everybody to sack me, but yeah. really, um, I'm going to deviate a little bit from our conversations. Sure. In life, I've been lucky in three three ways, really. Is that first of all, I married a lovely lady, and we've been married for 53 years now. Wonderful. And Congratulations. We got married with a chap, 
we were a child of sweethearts really, but, but we, were, we didn't consider it that, because we started going out when we were 17, you know, and, no. and then before you know it, I'm 19, I'm married, you know, the people got married young in those days, yes. you know. And, but we're now, you have to sit, it's uh, another 20 years on that for a lot of people. Anyway, so um, I, I've been lucky in love, I've married to a lovely, lo lovely life, and I've got a lovely family. Yeah. I've got uh, uh, a, boy, um, a son and a daughter, and I've got three grandchildren, yes. I'm absolutely over the moon. Yeah. And, but also, um, I've been reasonably lucky in health. I know I've had a death of a new year, I've had prostate cancer, but it was like 12 years ago. And, uh, I, I caught it soon, I realised there was something wrong, and I had an operation, which uh, that's 12 years ago, and the PSA is down to 0 0.01 again now, so, um, like, and I've, so I've been pretty healthy, really. I've, I've, look, I've looked after my health, you know, I've never smoked. Well, I did. I stopped smoking when I was seven. But when you were seven, <laughs> well, kids at six and seven used right. to smoke because <laughs> you used to be able to buy fags. I can remember buying fags in a two packet of two, and you could go to the shop and buy one. Yeah, I can remember doing that. Yeah. Always remember dad, you know, uh, caps and full strength, like oh, wood bands or whatever, you know, whatever it was at the time. Anyway, but um, but and also I've, I've tried to control my alcohol intake which is uh, yeah. and I'm doing that better now yeah. um, but you don't drink a lot I mean I know, so I've looked after me, me personally I've never tried I've, I'm heaviest now than I've ever been yes. yeah. but um, it seems to um, anyway but, but also where I've been lucky I've really enjoyed work you know, yeah. for, for me, work hasn't been a job. It hasn't been a, a burden. It's something that I've really enjoyed working. You know, and I, I got my first job when I was like nine years old at a local farm. You know, I remember getting getting paid when I was nine years old. Yeah. You know, I got five bob a week, five, and then eventually I worked for two weeks. And I got ten bob a week. That's uh, fifty pence a week. You know, but that was a lot of money because um, yeah. men were only on fourteen pound a week. Fully skilled men, you know, working full time jobs. Yeah. And I'm nine year old getting ten bob a week. Yeah. Anyway, t t time goes on, and uh, t t what, 11, 12 years old, I'm driving tractors illegally, you know, and doing. And I loved it. I loved working on farms. You do, but I mean, here we go. You know, this is another challenge. But before we came on air, you were saying that it's only one of your challenges. This because this is one you're going to do this year, but you're already looking ahead. Well, my way of working ahead, yeah. my next challenge is uh, um, I want to see if I can do something, oh sorry, first of all, let me tell you about my steam engine. Right. Although, yeah, I'm building a, a, a steam traction engine, for a brand new one in my garage from scratch, and I've got all the castings, and I've got a big 10-foot lathe, and I've got a, a, a Colchester student lathe, and a milling machine, a drilling machine. Are you doing I've it all yourself? All myself, yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's um, simple engineering, which is the type of engineer I can do. That's and what how, how weight? How much does it weigh? It, it, it's only a small one. It'll weigh about five tons. When five it's tons. Yeah. And it's got a name. Um, oh yes, it's, it's a Foster Wellington. It's a, the that was made by Fosters of Lincoln, and the, the model is a Wellington. But it, obviously, when it's finished, it's going to be called Judith, whether she likes it or not. Well, bless her. Yes, yeah, so, and it's, it's customary that the men build these things named yeah. after the wives. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so but the, I'm doing that because I've already done. I've already got. Um, a Land Rover that puts a steam engine in. I've got the only coal-fired Land Rover in the world. Exactly. And, um, yeah, so. I'm proud to say I've been in that Land Rover. Oh, and yeah. you said to me it was going to take us three shovelfuls of coal to get down to the Georgian Greenfield. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. but, but, but something else I've not told you about before, I've got, I've got another thing that I, I, I hope I can, I can do. 
uh, I hope it's managing it too heavy or but in all of them thirty uh, percent of our population are from Asian heritage you know and they there's, there's, there's people from India from Pakistan and Bangladesh and and now um, in all of them now over fifty percent of our children at schools are from an Asian heritage background and right. I hope I've said that politically yeah. correctly yes yeah yeah I know um but when I see the the children leaving school, they, where there's a mixed, um, both people, children from the Asian uh, heritage and also from the traditional, if you will, in English heritage. I mean, white faces, if that's... Sure. Is that political correct? Of course it is, that's yeah. fine. Okay, so I'll yeah. also, also say Asian heritage and white faces. Right now, but when I see them leaving school, I don't see them leaving school together in mixed groups. I see the Asian, maybe they live in different places, but I don't see them leaving as integrating uh, uh, as much as they could do or we all wish they would. So what I want to do is I want to see if, because I'm, uh, I've got friends in both, both camps, um, a lot of friends, and I want to, see if I can do something to bring the different communities together. So I have asked a few people, what should I do? And what one um, Asian businessman said to me, or the, the builder said, uh, why don't you, now you've got all the athletic, have a cricket match between Pakistan and Bangladesh in the stadium. Wow. Right. I thought, we'll do that. Right. And the thing is, oh, it was a casual thing you said, and I forgot who told me. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you didn't do it. But we did it. Well, yes. no, we, we did better than that. Yeah. We decided to change it, change it around and make it a three-way thing with between England, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. And we had a cricket club representing each each country. Yeah. And so then the, the cricket club were responsible for uh, uh, recruiting players from those d different countries if they didn't have enough to satisfy the requirement. Yeah. And, and we did that and played that at uh, Oldham Athletic in, on May the 4th this year. Right. And it was being won by Pakistan. So it started to re-edit that. Yeah. It was won by Bangladesh right. with uh, England coming second and England had two girl players in the right. team. So that was cool. Right. And they were facing men... Yeah full on giving the, the full toss you know yes, yeah. oh, it was brilliant to see yeah. so England came second with Pakistan coming yeah. third and uh, but we didn't it's not been done before in that mode and we wanted it to be an afternoon so we had 10 overs each way everybody batted and everybody bowled so mm. we didn't want like them put a really yeah, good batter in and we'll give a real good ball no we didn't want but it to be across and we didn't know how long it was going to take we thought it might be there still there at 9 o'clock at night Anyways, it happened. The timing was that we could have doubled that. We could have had it a twenty overs each way, and because uh, it was really quick too, yeah. the change room, change room was really quick, and we had it. Um, it was done really, really well, you know. Um, it's so, become like an Olympic stadium now, well, hasn't it? Because well, it's not just you now. You've you've taken it one step further with rugby, haven't you? Well, no. Well, well, yeah. Well, first of all, before we bought the club, um, I know. Uh, the, 
Arush Shah, who was the uh, leader of the council at the time, and I knew Harry, uh, the chief exec. So I asked for a meeting with them about two weeks before we were due to like make a big move on this on the, the stadium and the club. And I wanted to make sure that we're, we weren't going to buy something that was scheduled for some uh, major development or the hospital was going to make mega hospital or something like that that we don't know about so I said because we've got, we've got a lot of cash involved here so he's always mm-hmm. says, is there anything that I need to know before he says no no you're okay and then um, so Harry said he says I'm what would you what's your views would you consider like playing the rugby there oh yeah yeah I said well everyone want to get into 25 games 27 games a year there I said, plus all the schools tournaments at the end of the season. I said, we're going to work full time this stadium. I said, we're like become part of the community. Okay, so anyway, then uh, I saw him again a month later, and he said, Harry said to me, he says, he says, and uh, he says, if you're going to play rugby there, he says, we'd uh, we'd um, like to encourage you with a, a a new decile pitch. Well, I didn't know what a decile pitch was. No. I thought I thought it was a bigger one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, I said, yeah, I saw Harry and Harry said, yeah, we'd would like to contribute and make it a pitch desolate and know what they were talking about. Anyway, t- time goes on and we buy the club and, um, and then what happens is that um, uh, Rouge became, didn't qualify, didn't, uh, was not elected. Um, so we got Am- Amanda Charlton and Amanda was very much on board with what we were doing and we got support off, off uh, Amanda and then um, <laughs> Time goes on, and um, we um, was asking about this, this decile pitch. Well, I didn't know what it was, yeah. so I went. I heard like it was part grass and part plastic. Uh, so we went to York. York City Council built a brand new stadium in York, forty-four million pounds, and um, and that's a decile pitch. So after the game, we drew. I'm down on my hands and knees looking <laughs> at the grass. You see. I've gone because of the grounds. What are you doing? I said, I'm trying to find the plastic. Oysters, you won't find it. Why? I said, well, all the athletic plastic. We're going to have a decile pitch. Oysters are fantastic. He says, in one year, he says, we've had it 18 months now, but in the first full season we had it, he says, we played 99 games on here. He says, we had the first team, New York City, playing on here. He said, we had the rugby playing on here. We had a ladies' team and a youth team from Leeds. I thought, Wow. Right. That's what yeah. we want to be doing. That's where we need to be. Yeah. And uh, then the more I start to look at our pitch, the more tired it's looked. It look, yeah, it, it's looking really patchy towards the end of our, our season. That we could not have done more than we did. We played it on this this season. It never got waterlogged, but it got frozen once. And uh, anyway, so what happened is we. Um, uh, that's where we are now. We've got this brand new pitch, and uh, and the, the buildings itself. I mean. Could that be developed into a bigger mixture of a community hub, which you're doing, sport, which you're doing, and also a business hub for the community? Yes, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what we have in mind. Yeah. Exactly. We want all the we want boundary parks. Not all of them. We want boundary park stadium to be called a centre for sports yeah. for for not just for people from all of them because some of the sports we might do might pull people in from far and wide yeah. you know so we want to become the, the home of the Oldham Ruffy Heads rugby yeah. and we want them to play their first 
first team games on there. Um, and we also are going to play all the athletics first team games on there. And we'll see how it progresses, how much more work we can put onto it. Well, when you're rowing the world, Frank, which you've done, and because you were rowing and sailing around the world before we got to your great efforts in recent years, what are you thinking about when you're, when you're rowing? Are you thinking of the next great challenge? Um, yeah. <laughs> when, when, when I was sailing around, first of all, I've done quite a bit of sailing. And uh, in fact, there's, there's not many people in, in the UK have actually sailed as far as I have, because I've sailed about 80,000 miles. I've sailed, um, didn't start sailing, so I was like nearly 40, I couldn't afford it. Somebody's. And um, I sailed around Ireland, and then I, uh, I then decided I could sail across the Atlantic. And once I've gone across the Atlantic, I thought I'll carry on. So I sailed around the world, and um, uh, which was in about, I set up in uh, year 2000 doing that. And um, but I had to fit it in with work. You know, I'd go sailing for a month and then come back and work for three or four months. Working within. This is my darling wife. So you you were you were saying? Sorry. We were, well, we were first there. of all, I want to yeah. go go back to the 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 cricket at Barnby Park. We only have a license for football, right? A safety license. We didn't have a license for for rugby, so we had to amend our license to do that and we amended it for all ball sports which includes cricket and uh, so in 2024 on the I think it's the 4th or the 6th <laughs> bank holiday Monday it's I think it's, a, it's a, sorry, start again. And it's, sorry on the 6th of May 2024 which is the bank holiday Monday we're going to have the, um, the cricket on and we're going to be at least a three-way tournament. Um, and be on the bank holiday Monday because there's no cricket, don't play cricket on bank holiday Mondays. No. So it'll be easy to get the teams together. And whether it's going to be, um, how many teams we're going to have, uh, we don't know. It's, we're going to get the start working at that. Um, but it would all definitely be between the, the three nations. And I'd like to make it a five, five-way tournament, bringing the um, Afro-Caribbean, and possibly India as well. That's amazing. Yeah. So if, if we can do that, then uh, we could have knockouts during the week. Yes. We could have a full, a full day. Yeah. We could, and also we have a rollout pitch, a proper bouncy pitch that's really good for the job. So that's my plan. Unless, unless I can get a football team to come over from Bangladesh. Right. right. So when Jews and myself go on our holidays, yeah. we are going to go to Bangladesh because I'm going to see if I can get together a football team and go through all the visa requirements and everything else and bring a team over from Bangladesh to play a team from Oldham. Now, whether it's Oldham Athletic first team, it depends on the level of team we can bring over. But what I want to do, I want to encourage the Asian, um, the Asian heritage population of Oldham to get behind Oldham Athletic and feel as they are part of it. Yeah. That's I mean, what I want to do. So what do you do when you're taking some time out, Frank? Your life seems to be filled with busyness. If you're not cleaning the stand yourself, you've been sorting players out, you're looking for water on, on the, oh, on the oh, side. Yeah. I'd never forget that when I rang you up. But, I mean, how do you relax? What makes you relax? Well, I don't relax. Doing things is relaxing. It's just changing. Doing, just changing, doing something is relaxing. Yeah. A change is better than a rest. Yes, it is. Frank Rothwell, what can I say? 
Hero of the Hour. Thank you for your time. Hero of the Hour? Yeah. Come and, on. Well, a bit more than that. Yeah. Well, Katie, thank you very much. I really appreciate this uh, this uh, interview, <laughs> interview we had. And if I ever can help you, if anybody else I well, can we help, know. We know. Hold them. Oh, well, and then, well, don't press me, press button. No, I'm not. What we want to do is now become, what I'm doing is now become past being an Oldham athletic thing. It's an Oldham thing. Yeah. You know, I want to support Oldham and make Oldham uh, the best place in the world to live. Well, that can't be a bad a bad ambition from Frank Rothwell. A Thank delight you. to spend some time with you as ever, Frank. And the whole community travel with you, I know that as a fact. Thank you.